been about eight and a half months we took a uh a much longer break than we had planned on but the pick is finally back and we brought the whole squad that's sean lemmy john otney and colin westman and um you know the the world has looked like things were getting better for a little bit now things are going back downhill so uh, it, it makes sense to, to get back to our our safe at home fun activities, including watching movies and talking about them on the internet. So, uh, guys, I'm 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 glad we're back and we're doing this again. How's how's it feel to be back in the saddle? Um, pretty good. I was just remembering that the uh, last time that. The pick was recorded was one of the worst nights of my life when I was fending off a squirrel that had broken into my apartment and I couldn't be there. That's right. You weren't on that one. We had to bring in a sub. It was, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 1984. You guys were just making fun of me. <laughs> I was having this, just, just a horrible time trying to get that squirrel out of my apartment. Uh, but luckily now I'm in a What new happened apartment. to that squirrel? I <laughs> So we kept like trying to get him to like leave the front door and he kept like scurrying around and he just like wasn't doing what we wanted him to do. And then he like went through a hole into the cabinet <laughs> underneath our sink and so we just taped up that hole and trapped him in the sink and we were like all right, let's we'll get like a pest person to come tomorrow and find him and that person did come but by that time the squirrel was gone i assume he found like another hole underneath the sink to just like like bury out of i don't know i don't know what happened at the squirrel but he 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 gave me a a real rough time that night you joined the suicide squad yeah wouldn't surprise me it's it's didn't occur to me until just now that we went on a hiatus between new dc movie releases (laughs) that was not planned it never occurred to me (laughs) we're just such fans well the Zack snyder Uh, justice league did come out yeah the Zack snyder justice league but is that a new movie i I mean it wasn't released in theaters like 1984 true um, but before we get into the Suicide Squad too much, let's uh, let's take it back a, a little bit and do uh, the most fun part of the show for everyone, the little picks, where we just talk about things we've been into lately. And uh, mine is not something I've been, like, it's something I've been into for the past, like, two and a half months, so it's, it's not like a, it's not like as big a part of my life now as it was if we had been doing this a little bit earlier, but... Uh, I really wanted to shout out um, an album that I've been liking a lot uh, because this year I've been trying to listen to more Seattle music and we do have more than Shabazz Palaces these days. Uh, just, to, 
just to name a few Seattle artists I've kind of started to like Antonioni uh, Fretland uh, and I think I sent you guys uh, the song Greatest City by uh, Nathan Zanga and Matondo which is like the full of bunch of full of bunch of great Seattle rhymes and also samples that song from Hamilton so that's pretty cool um, but the album that I think I've liked the most from Seattle this year is Left at London's T-I-A-P-F-Y-H uh, which could have two possible meanings there's, there are two songs on the album that match that abbreviation uh, it's either there is a place for you here or this is a protest for your heart so take your pick uh, either way, uh, Left at London is a singer-songwriter who I first learned about a few years ago because she made a funny video about how to make a Tyler the Creator song uh, that went oh, viral. Yeah, 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 I know that. Um, and uh, this is my first time actually listening to her actual music and not f- funny Twitter parody music. Um. And it's it's really good. I think she, she, you know she straddles the line between a lot of different uh, indie friendly genres stuff like lo-fi, electronic music, uh, indie folk, whatever hyper pop is. She tweets about hyper pop a lot, so I, I think that's appropriate. I don't really understand what that genre is though. Um, but I I really like this album. It's um, it's kind of about mental health. Uh, but the, the interesting thing I learned about it was that originally she had been planning on doing like a concept album about King County and Washington State history. Mm-hmm. And there's one song that is like very clearly part of that uh, called The Ballad of Marion Zionchek, which is about an obscure uh, congressperson from the 1930s <laughs> that committed suicide, um, which I guess, you know, it, it managed to walk into the mental health theme because of because of that and not just be a weird bit of Seattle history being made into a song but uh, no that's it yeah you should you should listen to T-I-A-P-F-Y-H by Left of London if you can I'll go next with my little pick uh, I'm gonna pick the sweetie meal from McDonald's because <laughs> nice. I picked the Travis okay. Scott meal. I just I want it because more so because I want to tell the story of me ordering it and how these uh, these McDonald's limited time meals that are associated with celebrities. I keep getting them and they keep being incredibly embarrassing situations. Uh, so this time it was a meal that was endorsed by sweetie that's that's how it's pronounced now i know that now i i think it looks like it's spelled so weedy but i believe it's sweetie I, I googled it and she's a rapper and she's got a new meal and it's a big mac with four piece nuggets sprite and barbecue sauce and then a uh sweetie or see i'm still doing it uh, <laughs> sweetie and sour sauce which is just right. sweet and sour sauce, but it's got a little—it's uh, got a little diamond on the package, so it looks cool. So, in short, it's just ordering a Big Mac meal and then also ordering an extra four-piece nuggets. Uh, yeah, the packaging's a little different, but yeah, it's the—you know—it's something you could always get. There's no new elements being introduced uh, with this meal. Uh, some people are complaining about that. I think it's fun. I don't give a shit. But anyways, I go to order it. 
Uh, and I'm I'm with my brother in the drive-thru, and he's driving. So I'm like, Paul, can you tell them that I want the sweetie meal? And he's like, oh, really? Like, he really didn't want to have to say it. Because uh, he knew that I had uh, issues trying to get the BTS meal. Uh, so we go up, and, and he says, uh, yeah, can I get the sweetie meal? And the guy goes, what? The, the, the sweetie meal? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he goes, um, it's 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 a limited time. Uh, it's it's on it's on the menu. <laughs> oh, and the, the guy says, "Oh, you mean the Swahiti meal?" <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. The Swahiti. That's definitely not how it's pronounced. It's almost like he's trying to cover his own ass by saying, "Oh, no, it's actually called this." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's the one." he's like, okay, what kind of sauce do you want? And I'm so pissed, because it's the same thing that happened when I tried to order the fucking BTS meal. It comes with specific things, specific sauces. It's a curated meal. I shouldn't have to pick every part of it. I shouldn't have to explain the fucking meal to the guy. And I tell him, ugh, sweet and sour. And I fucked up, because it's one sweet and sour, one barbecue. But I got two sweet and sours. And then he asked for the drink, and I'd forgotten what the drink was. I, I got a Diet Coke, but you're supposed to get a Sprite. So I just fucked mm-hmm. it up. I fucked up. This guy fucked up. I fucked up. Oh, the little kicker to the story is when we go up to the uh, window to pay, he goes, um, all right, here you go. Thanks, ma'am. Uh, I mean, sir. <laughs> so this guy was uh, was not on top of it. Killing it. <laughs> just a fucking mess. Um, but the meal was fine, you know? I didn't do anything crazy with it you know in the advertising they're showing sweetie was like pouring sweet and sour on her big mac and like putting fries in the burger i I wasn't quite brave enough to do that but and the most objectionable one was taking the buns off the burger putting the Mm. fries and nuggets in that and eating them like that's a like that's a burger it's almost like i think it's they realize like we didn't add anything new so we're really trying to like give you some crazy ideas to make it seem like it's something new uh, but I didn't do any of that you know I, I, I'd, I'd get it again to try that stuff but it's I don't want to go through the, the painful process of having to explain this meal but it's like there's posters for this thing everywhere it's all over the restaurant this person had no idea what I was talking about yeah that's so. what stands out to me is that when it's like all over the menu and the building and they're still like, what are you talking about? It's like, I used to work, you know, in retail. And I always knew when there's, like, new releases. It's not like someone came in and was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, how do they not know? I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, it was fine. It, it, was, it was nice getting a Big Mac with just with four nuggets. I guess I forgot they even did just four nuggets, you know? It's just, like, a nice little extra little extra treat there. It's so, like an appetizer. Yeah, it's like an appetizer. I had a good time with it. And I, I like these meals. I, I get that they're like just stupid money grabs, but I mean it's fucking McDonald's, man. What do you expect? So a, um, you did trigger a memory of mine, which is that <laughs> uh, you said you got a a diet coke, and I know yes. that at some point Coca Cola put out a new kind of Coke Zero. They were, they like changed the formula. Mm. So I've got to ask: Have you tried that yet, Joe? Is it still called? So there's a new Coke Zero. Is it still called Coke Zero? Yes. Well, I mean, I've had Coke Zero recently. You're telling me they changed the like the formula. They changed the, the formula. Oh, I didn't notice. Though I never notice that kind of stuff. Like I'm, 
I'm sure there's some people like, what the fuck is this? This is the same at all. <laughs> they just spit it out after taking one sip. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Uh, I don't know who this character is. <laughs> really? Well, I think Coke Zero. I think I'm going to have to go get Coke some. Zero. I mean, I love Coke Zero. It's funny that I, I didn't... I, I, that sounds familiar, but no, I didn't. I haven't noticed any changes. Because it really, it feels like the uh, they're doing the same thing they did before, where they're gonna try new Coke Zero, and then people will hate it, and then they'll come back with Coke Zero Classic. But, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Sure. This is my stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah! I'll stock up. In case this happens again. Is that the like principal from Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? But imagine him like younger. A younger <laughs> version of that. For some reason, the image I'm getting is like a disgraced politician. Okay. <laughs> like on the East Coast. Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. That's how he talks, though, right? Take Not really. <laughs> but maybe he will talk like that after he's gotten addicted to Coke Zero. <laughs> Just. Saps all the life out of you. He can be their new spokesman. It's not like he's got anything else going on. Yeah, there you go. <sighs> all right, Colin, what do you got for us? All right. Well, I'm glad that all three of our picks are music related, but not all like they're all in different mediums. <laughs> so, <laughs> mine's a uh, a music documentary. It came out like a month month and a half ago it's called summer of soul parentheses or when the revolution could not be televised it is documentary directed by quest love about the 1969 harlem cultural festival which um i guess you could kind of look at as like the black woodstock just you know not on quite as big of a scale but happened same year and also a uh, a festival with just like a bunch of great artists from that era like stevie ronder uh sly and the family stone the staples singers bb king and it's composed of this footage that was shot at the time of, of basically the whole festival but just sat in a vault for uh decades i, I guess because i don't know whoever um, like commissioned the the filming of this festival just didn't think it would have much appeal out, outside of black audiences um, so the documentary consists of like at least one or two songs from each of like the big artists that performed but then it also has like interviews with some of the artists and people that kind of put the festival together there's also like a guy who was interviewed who was like just a kid when he went to go see the festival and he like didn't even believe it was real he was just like i I have this dream of this thing i saw as a kid but nobody ever talks about it but it seemed like the greatest thing that ever happened to me uh he he like gets very emotional watching the footage and he's like wow this actually happened um and so it's just just cool to to hear people talking about this this huge event that you know was, was kind of forgotten 
um, and, and it also kind of goes into like where each of the artists were uh, in terms of the trajectory of their careers at that point like Sly and the Family Stone were kind of at their peak and they just bring down the house and like Stevie Wonder was like established but like just about to reach that, that next point of popularity Nina Simone's also in it and she's like you know kind of a veteran at that point um, and, it, and it also kind of chronicles just like where black America was at that point in terms of like civil rights and where Harlem was in 1969 it's just uh, it's just a really cool document of of that very uh, tumultuous exciting period that uh, we can't stop talking about because as much as you don't want to admit it, boomers actually lived through a pretty exciting time. <laughs> Unfortunately. I don't think anyone resents them for how they handled the 60s. It's just I guess. Everything <laughs> after that. Yeah. Top of my watch list. Yeah. I just watched that Woodstock 99 and I'm like, I need another music doc. And then I noticed that was available. So I'm like, hell yeah. I haven't checked it out yet, though, but I will. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's one of those things where I'm like, how did I not know this was a thing? I guess that's why it's good there's a documentary. That's why documentaries should exist. (laughs) Yep. It's like, well, now you know. This is important. All right, cool. Yeah, it does make you wonder, like, would we talk about Woodstock as much if there wasn't that documentary to to bring it to the masses? (laughs) I don't know. And this is, I imagine, Questlove's first film? Yep. First time in the director's seat? Mm-hmm. Sounds like he, he does a good job. Yeah, I, I would think cool. so. He All knows right. about music. Speaking of director's seats, let's talk about The Suicide Squad. Which, by the way, was a title that James Gunn put forward as a joke. But then the executives at Warner Bros. are like, oh, that's good. Let's go with that. Because the executives at Warner Brothers are crazy. I have no idea <laughs> what they're doing all the time. Um, they'll just try anything, man. They'll, now they will. Um, we have all seen 2016's Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, we uh, we recorded a podcast talking about it. We had to make a podcast about it because it was such a fucking mess. <laughs> it wasn't even like when it came out. It was like <laughs> a year after it came out. <laughs> but we wanted to do a good movie, bad movie. So we did that with um, Sorcerer because they're both suicide <laughs> missions. Uh, we spent most of the time. I actually just listened to that podcast earlier today. Um, oh, good was interesting (laughs) I feel like this new movie does uh, a a much better job with the problems we had with the the first Suicide Squad yeah I mean I don't want to get into it too early but like this actually feels like a mission you would send the Suicide Squad on where the first one is like why the fuck is Superman and Batman and all these guys not on this shit this is like end of the world shit and I know like it gets to be like Obviously, there's a big, like, alien in this new one, but still, like, it doesn't, like, start out that way. It doesn't start out with, like... Well, and, and even when the big alien shows up, 
they're like, that's not your job. Don't worry about the big yeah, alien. Just it. leave. True. Very true. Um, but yeah, so how did we get from that Suicide Squad to this one? It was a clusterfuck. So, uh, the sequel to Suicide Squad was greenlit before the movie even came out. There was so much hype around that trailer with the good music and the colorful visuals <laughs> that people were like, we need to make more of these. And even though Suicide Squad did not do uh, well critically, financially, it did great. So, not only were they still gung-ho to make the sequel, they also started greenlighting spin-offs of the Suicide Squad. Um, which I still think was a mistake. Uh, and um, obviously a lot of them didn't come to fruition. Um, one of them sort of did. Because they were going to make a Gotham City Sirens movie which is uh, a comic book series about um, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy teaming up. And I think that eventually led to Birds of Prey, even though it doesn't have Poison Ivy and Catwoman. Um, But maybe that was a a whole other Harley Quinn spinoff that just also got made. but the immediate problem with making a sequel to The Suicide Squad from 2016 was that its director and star were busy making another movie. Do you remember what movie that was? Wait, which director? David Ayer was and Will Smith. Bright? They were making that that Bright. Oh, yep. A, uh, at the time, the most expensive movie Netflix had ever made, released for Christmas of 2017, based on a Max Landis script. Uh, we'll be talking about cancellation a lot today. Um, <laughs> that movie, uh, also a critical failure, but one of the most watched movies in the history of Netflix. Not, not 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 the most watched anymore, uh, but I think it probably still way up there. Do you guys know what the most watched movie on Netflix was? Bird Ever? Box? I mean, original. Uh, you're close. I think that's second place to this movie. Uh, I don't know, like Kissing Booth Two or something. I don't know. Uh, old Guard. Oh, very close. You're, you've hit two of the top three now. <laughs> Uh, same year, Extraction from 2020. The, really? Uh, Sam Hargrave movie starring Chris Hemsworth. Wow, yeah, it made such a cultural impact. Well, it did enough that they're putting <laughs> Chris Hemsworth... That? Chris Hemsworth's character, Tyler Rake, will be joining the Fortnite uh, crew at some point. The future, apparently. Uh, so that that's the Chris Hemsworth likeness everyone's been waiting at least he could finally fight John Wick. Um, Is it just because it came out like right at the start of the pandemic? Is that the um, only reason? I think I think that, and also it had uh, you know Russo brothers clout, so mm-hmm. people were like, oh, maybe maybe it'll be as good as the Avengers because it has it has those directors and that guy. Yeah. Huh. But. Um, so you have David Ayer busy doing another project with the star of this movie and also uh, being somewhat 
unhappy with the way that Warner Brothers treated him. Uh, he had lobbied for an R-rated cut of Suicide Squad, and not only did they not give him that, they uh, <laughs> they took the whole cut away from him. Let the uh, the firm that made the popular trailer for the movie uh, recut the entire film, uh, which can't feel good. Uh, and and David Ayer has gone as far as to put out his own hashtag release the air cut tweets uh, around the time uh, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League uh, came out uh, earlier this year um, and maybe that'll happen I don't know there doesn't seem to be any movement it really does feel like uh, the Warner Brothers people don't want to look backwards at all uh, but the HBO Max people like money so I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe something. I feel like the fact that this movie came out has killed any chances for an anger <laughs> cut. Because it's like, why would we want to revisit the, the crappy Suicide Squad when we actually have like a good one now? Because I yeah. feel like the, uh, probably one of the reasons people wanted the Snyder Cut is because it had some pretty popular characters attached to it. It's like, we want these characters done justice, done right. Batman, Superman. <laughs> Uh, but, like, nobody gives a shit about, like, we want to see Enchantress in the definitive version of Suicide. Nobody cares about that. So. Yeah. I mean, I I guess if it's, there's the chance that it's actually good, in which case, you know, they could say, well, you liked this Suicide Squad that's good. We actually have another one that's really different from the first one. But I, that's I, such, I bet it, it is seems like such better. A, chance but it's not going to be as good as this new one so right and, and and this new one definitely has the tone that the re-edit of suicide squad was going for it just wasn't actually shot to have that tone which was <laughs> why that movie ended up being <laughs> such a clusterfuck so um so yeah we are now into uh what like 2017 and the hunt begins for a new creative team to develop a sequel, a proper sequel, not a spinoff to the Suicide Squad. And who is the front runner? Who is having a, a, a comeback at exactly that time, early 2017? Why, it's Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, he had just directed Hacksaw Ridge and starred in Daddy's Home 2. Uh, Dragged Across Concrete was just, uh, just down the line a little bit. Um, so they bring in Mel Gibson uh, to, to maybe direct this one. Uh, he is, I, I guess, the, the top name on a short list that also included a shitload of other directors. We had Ruben Fleischer, uh, who is um, the, uh, the, the, he did Venom, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. In Zombieland. And Zombieland, yeah. And then uh, Daniel Espinosa also gets brought in. He's, he's also doing a Sony superhero movie. He's the guy who's directing Morbius. Oh. Uh, Jonathan Levine comes in. Uh, he also did a vampire movie called Warm Bodies. Oh, yes. uh, but mostly comedies from him. And then, uh, of course, David S. Goyer got his dumb head in there. Fucking David S. Goyer. <laughs> Um, the problem is uh, they're courting all these directors without really a script and so at the same time they're trying to 
get uh, a director, they're trying to find someone to write the sequel. And the first name on that list is Adam Cozard, uh, who hasn't done a much. He wrote Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit and The Legend of Tarzan, and uh, apparently also did some uncredited work on Bloodshot. So I don't know why he was the first guy they got involved to write this, uh, but they quickly switched up to uh, Zach Penn, who makes a lot of sense in this role. He's he wrote, um, I think, the story of X Men Two. Maybe he's not the actual writer of it, because um, I want to say that's written by David Hayter, the guy who voices Solid Snake. Um, but he also wrote uh, The Avengers with Joss Whedon and and uh, Free Guy the recent hit comedy film and Ready Player One Guy Knows Games oh my god really Mm -hmm. alright so he knows games he knows comics Um, so that makes sense Um, but uh, all these people get courted they maybe sign on uh, I even missed one on my list. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Jame Colette Sarah, the guy who just directed um, Jungle Cruise, also gets brought on. He's directing Black Adam in the future now. Um, he is famous for doing those boring Liam Neeson movies like Unknown and Nonstop and and Nonstop and uh, and The Commuter and The Shallows. <laughs> the shallow. Wow, you're good, John. How do you say his name? Oh, I don't know. I've I've never heard it said. Hame, Hame maybe? I don't know. He's from um, Catalonia, which is in Spain. Oh wow. So, soft J. Whoa, this guy did House of Wax. Oh, this guy's been around for a while. An orphan. There's some good stuff in here. I mean, I guess goods. You know, it's a matter of opinion here, but I like some of these. Maybe Jungle Cruise is great. And maybe we'll know if Colin picks it. <laughs> because um, I'll, I'll drop 30 bucks. I mean, if it wasn't my top 10 movies I was not anticipating this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. actually, I don't, actually, I don't think it was this year. I think it was last year. <laughs> what, a, what a journey that movie's gone on. So, um, now we're getting into... August, I think, of 2018. No, 2017. Um, and they finally put together uh, a team to make this movie, and that team is uh, Gavin O'Connor and his writing partner, Anthony Tam Backus. And they are going to uh, write and direct a movie where the Suicide Squad takes on Black Adam. Which is why we've known for such a long time that Dwayne Johnson will be playing Black Adam. Because uh, they, they had reason to cast him all the way back in late 2017. I'll never understand why like The Rock is like, I have to be Black Adam. What is it that drew him to that character? Because I feel like they were saying Dwayne Johnson was going to be Black Adam before they'd even announced who was going to play Shazam. Right, I'm like, because shouldn't he, he play Shazam? <laughs> right, and, and this is bef- he just called dibs. 
and he's it's he's holding on to those dibs. It's like if um, it's like if I'm trying to think of who's a big star. I don't know. Just like if like Tom Cruise, like I'm gonna be Doctor Doom. It's like why? Why wouldn't you go for the hero? Why? why what's so great about this villain? What's so great about Black Adam? I just I don't know. And if it, since it's The Rock, I feel like that movie's gonna suck. Well, we'll see. again, we'll have to go off uh, what whatever Jungle Cruise tells us. Um. So, <laughs> Gavin O'Connor is the pick. Uh, he's also he's gonna bring in. Uh, Joe Manganiello was cast for Justice League as Deadshot because they want to have the big showdown between Deadshot and oh god what is Will Smith's character's name? Killshot? That's uh, Deadshot. <laughs> I thought it was were, were they yeah were they the same playing the same character? Oh god. Okay. We got we got I got to think here. I want to say that in my mind they are both. Oh shit! Was somebody Deathstroke? Deathstroke, you're right. You're right. Joe Manganiello is Deathstroke, <laughs> and Will Smith is Deadshot. And I've already <laughs> forgotten which of which one was which as I finished saying that sentence. Um, so there was uh, going to be just, a. Just remember, Will Smith is Deadshot because he shoots a gun real good. <laughs> Unlike so many other members of the Suicide Squad, they're yeah, very they sick. don't shoot a gun as good. <laughs> um, okay, it's Deathstroke. I'm, I'm writing that in my notes. I can remember, even though it will never come up again. But scheduling conflicts are the name of the game with the production of this movie. So at this point, uh, a lot of the people involved have been jerked around enough that they're not interested in going in. I mean, Will Smith had Bright. And then you have to do Aladdin and Gemini Man. Um, and that's pushing the production back. And so other people are coming in and leaving, like Jared Leto. Um, apparently it was contentious that Margot Robbie got her Harley Quinn sequel made first and put out before this. Uh, it's, a re- it's a real clusterfuck. Uh, but eventually now even Gavin O'Connor uh, has his own scheduling conflict. He leaves... Because he wants to make his sad basketball movie The Way Back. Which stars Ben Affleck. I watched it on a plane. Like oh, the perfect plane movie. Yeah. I mean I haven't seen movie. it, but it looked like the perfect plane movie. No, no, it's 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 a good plane movie. I recommend. Was it good? On a plane. It was actually pretty good. I liked that That's Ben good. Affleck is like uh he's just like a total schlub in it trying to get his shit together which is how i imagine him in real life right now so it just like yeah. felt like good casting you could also now yeah. reframe it as a story of, of a director and a star both recovering from being involved in the dc <laughs> extended universe it's true <laughs> trying yeah. to find a way to process that pain yeah that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it like that. It was also um, interesting to see that movie because it's written by the guy who uh, created Mayor of Easttown, and there are a lot of oh, similarities weird. between that movie and Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> but yes, go on. That's surprising. There's, I didn't know there was so much murder in the way back. Well, I guess ex- except for the murder. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no murder in the way back. 
All right, so um, while this has all been going on, let's talk about James Gunn. So uh, I'm sure everyone knows this at this point, but James Gunn was a screenwriter who became a director. Um, his first film was called Tromeo and Juliet, which I, I bet John has seen, if anyone. I, I haven't. I, I, have, I haven't watched a lot of Troma films just because they're so fucking gross and immature i've seen some clips from it but no i haven't seen it yeah well that seems to be the main takeaway that'll come up later that gross and immature and uh provocative maybe as a word you would use for trauma yeah but i've Um, seen every james gunn directed movie including his segment for movie 43 (laughs) yeah so he has so, so uh, he's definitely displayed a, a real interest in the superhero genre. Even uh, he wrote the specials. Uh, oh, I've seen that too. That I totally forgot about until I was doing this research um, about a superhero team, but it's you know, wacky and dark. Um, also, as a screenwriter, he wrote um, the Scooby-Doo movies and weirdly Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead movie. Which I think that is just weird. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> that also, because he had uh, his. Uh, what was it? Army of the Dead? Is that what that yeah. was called? That yeah, yeah. This year? It's kind of like a, almost a spiritual sequel to that Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that was sandwiched perfectly in between Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Suicide Squad coming out. So, uh, yeah, a lot of connections there. Uh, yeah, he did. He, as a director, he did Slither and Super, and then that segment in Movie Forty Three. So you know, two of his three first directing jobs are superhero related, and that lands him the job of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which is at the time an extremely obscure superhero team. Uh, so much so that he had the leeway to sort of rewrite and reinvent. Uh, some of the characters on that team uh, and also just insert his own stuff into the story like having a now iconic uh, collection of uh, 70s rock hits uh, as a soundtrack uh, and that does extremely well um, the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies are among the, the most profitable Marvel movies that have ever been made I mean, they're not like Avengers level huge. They're not Black Panther huge, but outside of those, they're they're right up there. Um, and you got to really give a lot of that credit to James Gunn. Um, so that's why it was really disappointing in 2018 when Mark Cernovich, the guy who created PizzaGate, decided to cancel James Gunn uh, by digging up some old. Uh, deleted tweets of his and um, I've read the tweets they are clearly jokes they are also in really poor taste they are bad jokes that should not be put out in the world Um, but I think when you give it the context of you know this was someone who considered himself a provocateur professionally uh, and also, this was someone who had deleted those tweets, apologized for them, and talked a lot about how he regrets that he had written things like that. 
and how much he had grown as a person. He had done all that in like 2012, you know, six years before this canceling happened. Um, it does feel like an overreaction on Disney's part to immediately fully sever ties from James Gunn. Um, except for the fact that they were planning on keeping the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 script. Uh, but they were going to find a new director, um, despite uh, the whole cast saying that's a mistake. And um, not long after that, DC approaches James Gunn and they ask him to write a Superman movie. And he doesn't want to do that. And so they ask him what project he's interested in. And he says the Suicide Squad. And with Gavin O'Connor trying to make his sad basketball movie, um, things just perfectly lined up for James Gunn to finally make his version of the Suicide Squad. So they hired him and announced that he is directing that. And then the next day, Disney rehires James Gunn to uh, direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So a happy ending, uh, but that certainly delayed Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 3 by five plus years now um so there you have it that is how we ended up with the suicide squad uh, and especially with the uh bizarre cast of the suicide squad which includes um idris elba as maybe supposed to originally be deadshot uh but he requested not to play that part to have his own character, and he got one. And speaking of difficult to remember names, who remembers Idris Elba's character's name? Bloodsport. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I was just, just going to say Bloodshot. Bloodshot, <laughs> yeah, just right in the middle of all those names. Is that the Vin Diesel one? <sighs> What's that one called? What's Vin Diesel's <laughs> movie called again? It sounds right we were talking we just talked about it like 10 minutes we ago we just talked about it I think it yeah. is Bloodshot it is, it is called Bloodshot so um, I think what's interesting is uh, the opening scene that was uh, maybe my favorite part of the movie they do this uh, sort of in the style of the original film uh, montage of putting a team together and going on a mission um but then the film actually lives up to the title, unlike the first one, and has almost all those characters die. Uh, and we find out that the whole opening sequence was a misdirect, and our real team is uh, on the other side of the island. And I loved that part. I liked it too, though I will say, once you see the squad that's being sent in for this first mission... You kind of know, like, right away, right, that they're all going to die. Because you're like, these are all, like, the B-list secondary characters. I don't know. At right. least I felt that way. But Harley Quinn is there. Rick Flagg is there. I mean, and yeah. Captain Boomerang is there. I, I Okay, I definitely wasn't sure what they were going to do with Captain Boomerang. But, you know, obviously just based off of the, you know, the advertising, I knew at least Harley Quinn and Rick Flagg. I pretty much knew, like, these people are all going to die. But I do like that it's mainly from the perspective of Michael Rooker's character, hmm. which is kind of fun, especially because when he gets there and witnesses his whole team being massacred, his instinct is to run. Um, 
which we didn't really didn't get to see in the first movie. There's that guy, Slipknot, who's like, oh, I'm just too badass for this. Fuck this. And then he, he gets his head blown up in the first one. But I like it way better seeing someone who's like scared and runs away and then gets their head blown up. That's freaky. I liked that. So it was, I felt like it was a way better use of that the you know showing off the the devices in their heads and and what they do if they what happens if they don't do the mission mm-hmm. it just like explains the movie so much better in the first few minutes of the movie than the other movie could in the whole two plus hours yeah though what's fe- it's fun seeing all those guys like Fluborg and uh pete davison and Nathan yeah, Nathan Fillion. Fillion. <laughs> this, these detachable arms that just kind of slap you around. Uh, I love, you know, because he's one of James Gunn's guys at James Gunn. Always, I think he's in every James Gunn directed film and at least a, like even a voice cameo. Like he's always there somewhere, hmm. along with along with Michael Rooker. Um, so that was cool. Also, also reminded me a lot of uh, that scene in Deadpool Two. Do you guys remember when they they formed uh, X Force? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't see it, but you, you told me about it. Best scene. I feel like I'm ashamed that I like the Deadpool movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it just falls into that category of things where you don't. You just don't want to be seen as a fan of it. Like with Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. You just don't want people to know. Yeah. yeah. But and that's more of a problem with the fan base than the actual like franchise itself. Yeah. It's it's weird yeah, that something that's genuinely good has to be a guilty pleasure because of the fandom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying earlier, Sean, how the other team lands on the other part of the island. That was kind of an interesting take for the narrative to be like, okay, we're going to show this other team landed over here, and then we're going to backtrack to show how we got to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of, that was clever. I enjoyed that. Um, getting to know these people, but also getting a taste of some, some blood early on. Showing that this ain't your grandma's suicide squad. <laughs> Right, and this whole other team—they're all—they're um, all new characters, unlike the the one that's actually on the Go to Die mission, which has the returning characters. Um, so I already brought up Idris Elba as as Bloodsport. I think um, he's good in this. I don't know if it's especially like memorable. I think he's just—I um, I appreciate that he's playing someone who is like pretty villainous. Like he has a clearly like terrible relationship with his daughter um i i like that he has a bad attitude the whole movie but um i think there are a few more breakout uh parts on the team uh and you probably got to start with uh david dasmalchian as polka dot man i think is probably everyone's favorite character in this movie right he's mine um i know a lot of people like king shark but I definitely like Polka Dot Man because he's probably one of the dumbest characters you could have pulled out of the extended DC universe. I mean, he's covered in polka dots. His power is shooting polka dots. But then the additions are fantastic with like, okay, it's like a 
what do they say? It's an, like an interdimensional disease or something. Mm-hmm. And then like his mom did it to him, so he wants to he like hates his mom, wants to kill his mom, sees his mom everywhere, wants to die. <laughs> It's like yeah 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 I could I could imagine this this character like it's funny how they they take the dumbest sounding character but make him feel the most believable and his disease is so gross the way that oh, they man. depict it too there's the, the one scene where he wakes up in the middle of the night and he hasn't shot his polka dots all day and so they're just like growing all over his face and he has to vomit them up it's, uh, it's pretty intense it's it's disgusting. I don't know if I liked his, how his uh, journey ended, though his arc in the movie. Um, I guess we should say now this is you know spoilers um, that he gets he gets smushed. But I guess he wanted to die, but he did finally he, he was proud that he's like oh I'm I'm a superhero mm-hmm. instead of being ashamed of who he was before he got smushed. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think you should? Do you think they should have killed him? I feel like they shouldn't have. Um, maybe they just didn't expect him to be as much of a breakout. Uh, but yeah. Right. Well, I think. I I I don't think there's there's an expectation that there's gonna be a a sequel to this movie. It's true. I, th- I think this is probably the end of Polka Dot Man, in the DC. Cinematic universe. Either way, I feel like every DC movie now is just like I don't know what they're gonna do after this. <laughs> it seems like everyone could be their last in some right. weird way, well, even though we know except, it won't be. And we do know that this is getting a TV spinoff, which is the new fashionable thing to do. Uh, yeah. I gotta say, I'm not a fan of that. That feels like some you know WB executive being like well let's pull a marvel and do a a, do a tie-in show except it's even more of a like everything it's more of a clusterfuck with dc because they have like two different tv cinematic universes going um and so to do a third one that's like related (laughs) but in in the movie universe just make people more well i mean marvel had two and they're kind of tying them together now with the new spider-man movie so yeah, yeah. You're maybe right. they'll maybe you know DC will just rip them off there. Too. I mean, they probably are because they're aren't they? They're gonna do that Flash movie where it's like they're doing yeah. It's got like Michael Keaton Batman. Maybe it has Ben Affleck Batman. I don't know. It's just got every Batman in it. It's got all the Batman. <laughs> all the people Batman just can't be interested. <laughs> people can't just be interested in the Flash. You gotta weigh him down with fifty Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Batman. <sighs> Uh, so yeah, Colin, do you know about this? They're making a spin-off TV show about Peacemaker, the John Cena character. I did see that, which is like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> I think um, John and my reaction at the time was, why take the least likable member of this main team and give him the spin-off? That is true. <laughs> He is not the character that you come away from this movie saying, I would like to spend more time with that guy. <laughs> but he is memorable, I guess. I, th- I think the silver lining to that, though, is that maybe you can just imagine that Bloodsport and Ratcatcher have their happy ending and we need to spend more time with Peacemaker so he can actually redeem himself in some way. Mm. Yeah. 
But that's all I got. It's not great. He's a real dick in this. Also, some of it's funny. Some of it's, some of it's not, though. Uh, just because I brought her up, how did everyone feel about Rat Catcher 2? Oh, I loved her. I loved the army of rats. Uh, there's such unique uh, powers in this movie, which was which was nice. Because the first movie, it's like you had a guy with fire, and then everyone else's powers were kind of like, either it didn't seem like they had powers or something like really abstract. Like, I can't tell you what Enchantress's powers were. And then there's that one woman who had like a ghost sword or something. Yeah, I feel like that was the thing. Most of the team was just like, I'm good at a specific type of weapon. Like, Deadshot was good at shooting guns. Captain Boomerang's good at a boomerang. Uh, Harley Quinn was good at baseball bat fighting. I feel like another problem with the first one is there were just too many characters on the team. And so you you didn't even feel like you got to really know what their (laughs) skills were. But with this one, there's there's a more compact team so you get to, you get to know what they're capable of also they did such a bad job of introducing them they, they kind of like came yeah. sporadically it's like we're gonna meet some of them in the prison okay now we're getting on the plane to the mission oh wait here's one or two more people who are gonna join here's this uh this sword person and this guy with uh, grappling hooks it's like like they almost couldn't handle having them all there at once. Whereas this movie does such a good job of like here's here's the whole team, here's their powers, here's here's the rest of them, here's their powers, and and doing just as much setup for the characters that die as the characters that live too. I mean that was part of the problem with Slipknot was like everybody got a montage and then like you're saying Slipknot just is also there and it's like well I wonder which one's gonna die. Maybe it'll be the guy that nobody knows anything about. <laughs> Yeah, this movie did a great job of where I, I was never... I mean, aside from that opening scene where I had a pretty good idea who was going to die, I wasn't sure who else they were going to kill in the movie. Like, I had no idea that they were going to kill Polka Dot Man like, or, or Rick Flagg or anybody. You know, I didn't know. So it's it's nice to go in and feel like there's still plenty of room for surprise. Um, so that was cool. Um, but back to Ratcatcher. Yeah, dude, the rats, they're great. And I've I've never seen an actress before, but she was great too. She's super likable and charming. Uh, you know, and they made a lot of jokes about how she was, you know, Gen Z or whatever. That was funny. Appreciated that. I wish we got more of uh, Taika Waititi as Ratcatcher One. That like Rat blew my one, mind. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's such a small part. Okay, yeah, sure, that, that's cool. I felt embarrassed because they show him earlier on in the movie, and I didn't even recognize him. Until oh, neither did I. It wasn't until the flashback. second flashback that I I, yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't, but yeah. Who else? Do you guys like Rick Flagg more than you did in the first one? I like him about the same, I think. <laughs> it just sucks, right? There's nothing interesting yeah. about that character. Yeah. But whatever. At least they killed him. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I still don't even know what his thing is. So he's got a yellow shirt. That's his thing. <laughs> What's his, he's got guns. He's just a good dude. He's a leader. I feel like when we were talking about him in the first one on that podcast, we were talking about how he's like super American. But I guess they don't lean into that in this because they, they have Peacemaker also being like super American. I don't know. So maybe they just had nothing to work with. 
yeah, I think that's it. He's, he's like super patriotic and also he's good with guns. So he's basically just not as interesting. <laughs> Can- Cancelled out by the other characters that can also do those things. I, I, I love yeah. that this movie, though, is is aware that there's similar characters. <laughs> you know, there's that the whole exchange when we first meet Peacemaker in Bloodsport where, you know, Bloodsport's like, why am I on the team? And, you know, Amanda Waller's like, you have a very specific, you know, set of skills, but then, you know, this other guy, Peacemaker, has the exact same abilities, basically. So the movie gets it. And I like that. You know, you get the feeling that she says it's just to literally every member that ever joins the Suicide Squad, that you're special, like, we need your talents. When it's like, no, really, it's like, we need a body to put it, like, send to this mission. Like, we need somebody absolutely and especially with with the you know the first that first team on the beach where you know it, it does make it seem like everybody has unique skills that they need but they all are just there to blow up and die yeah, they're disposable the beach really team sneaks on. yeah so <laughs> we also didn't talk about uh, king shark though okay i was going to talk about amanda waller but let's talk about king shark too so you can just get the whole team covered yeah uh real name nanu uh-huh Nanue or something? <laughs> I think the biggest laugh in the movie for me was when I saw that character introduced as like barely being able to speak and then I realized that he was being voiced by Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> he's, he's like Rocky but even dumber. Love it. Or, or Groot but more articulate. Yeah. He's definitely in the, the Groot vein. Yeah, I wonder if if he would have been Vin Diesel in in another universe. Yeah, but and I'll, St- Stallone's like the original Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you'll be happy to hear that Stallone loves doing it. He had a blast. That's great. Like I was here, I was reading the story of James Gunn. Like I think he originally had King Shark in mind, but he. he he, he didn't want to ask him he was too embarrassed almost it almost kind of sounded like he didn't want to ask him because it's like he was too embarrassed to tell Stallone to play this really stupid character <laughs> but then when yeah. he finally did ask Stallone Stallone was just like hey, say no more brother I'm in like he didn't even need to hear like the the, you know, the spiel he's like oh, I'm do- I'll do it and he's been doing press for it and he loves and he's I, I, I uh, check out Stallone's Instagram every now and then, which has total, like, goofy dad energy. And he's posting all sorts of King Shark stuff. You're like, oh, can you imagine if King Shark uh, fought Rocky? Yeah, how about this? <laughs> <laughs> Great Instagram. Definitely worth a follow. That's my other little pick is Stallone's uh, yeah. Instagram. Right. Do you think that they will bring him back as uh, Stakar Ugord? In Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know that. Like that other was he like a part of another team or was he part the, he, of like some sort? Yeah. Of so so him uh, and Yondu in the comics are members of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and right. they set them up yeah. at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Also, Bing Rames is on that team, and most confusingly, Michelle Yeoh, because um, we now know she's playing a different character in Shang-Chi which is weird because they also have Gamma Chan playing a new character in the Eternals so it's sort of like 
they don't know how many Asian women there are in the world, so they just recap, recast the same few ones over and over. Not a great look on Marvel's no, part. No. Um, Especially when they uh, they chose to cast uh, Tilda Swinton in Doctor Strange over an actual Asian person. <laughs> I feel like yeah. even now that might not happen. It was. Yeah. I feel like it was is questionable when it happened, and I feel like just a few years after it would not happen. Because you yeah, remember when it. they tried to cast a non-Asian actor as an Asian character in like the recent Hellboy movie, and people had like a fit over that, and that was just like over a Hellboy reboot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if, if yeah. Tilda Swinton would be cast that part again. It seems unlikely. Yeah. And their argument at the time, too, was like, well, this character is like a wise Asian master stereotype. But that doesn't really answer the question of why it's Tilda Swinton now. Yeah, I feel like, oh, it's just a stereotype is a bad excuse for that (laughs) conundrum. Yeah, just make the character Asian and not a stereotype. Sure. Um. Anyway, Doctor Strange had a really great cast for being a pretty forgotten movie. I'm looking uh, forward to that new one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We got those Sam Raimi, he's back. He's back. Yeah. The they, announced, they announced Danny Elfman's doing the music. Had to be Danny Elfman. Had to be, dude. Um, if, oh, Bruce Campbell's got to be in it, right? Oh, of course. He could be anyone. Oh. Because, yeah, it's a multiverse of madness. You could have him as, like, any extended universe or just any. He could be, you know, Iron Man from another timeline. Doesn't matter. He could be anyone. He could be Ash. He could be the new Wolverine. (laughs) They got to cast it eventually, right? Or are we just going to Hugh Jackman again? Let's get someone older than Hugh Jackman. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see Bruce Campbell's take on Wolverine. (laughs) I'm intrigued. (laughs) And then see if anyone's ever done that Photoshop. You guys can continue. Waller. I I want to talk about Amanda Waller uh, because it's Viola Davis again. Um, And (laughs) she's, she's playing a Waller this time as so over it, so angry, so done with the world. Um, that I wonder if people find that off-putting. Like I, I, I enjoyed Viola Davis's part. I thought she was she was funny. Um, but I could imagine other people being disappointed that a iconic character from the comics has devolved into this. Um, I was wondering what what you guys thought about uh, Amanda the Wall Waller in this one. I didn't, I didn't I mind did. it. Yeah. I mean, I thought it made sense her be kind of more of an antagonist considering she is making these guys go on this mission against their will. Like, I don't know. I, I, I liked her. Yeah, she was scary. She yeah, all, it's almost like she a villain, be. too, in some respects. Like, she was intimidating, and I think she's perfect for that. Where I feel like 
Ah, oh, Man of Honor is a very confusing character in the first movie. Yep. She was, like, killing her own dude. Like, didn't she? She killed her own dudes, but then she sent army dudes to die to save the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I feel like her motivations are a lot clearer in this movie. So the the anger feels way more justified. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that character's in the last one. And it, and it makes it mean something when her team stands up to her. Uh, because we've seen her shoot her her whole office once in the past. You know, she's she's a menacing individual. I also really liked that they changed her head blow-up-y thing from a dumb app on her phone to this cool, like, switchboard switch where she's got to yeah. switch a thing and press a button. And it has, like, pictures of everybody. It's just <laughs> it's way like more dramatic board. visually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also remember a lot of people making jokes about she's, like, when she's showing off the app, she's like has her fingers and her thumb like on the screen, like close to the button. It's like it was so lazily done that she could have accidentally just hit the button and killed someone. That first movie. It's funny um, how this movie makes me hate that other one even more. <laughs> Not just that I like this one better, it just makes me realize how bad that movie is. Like, it's got all these fucking, yeah. like, flashbacks so they could be like, oh, you know, maybe we'll explore this in another spinoff movie and this in another movie. It's like, fuck you. Just give me the movie. I don't care about the fucking <laughs> spinoffs. At least this movie um, didn't tease a spinoff until, like, after all the credits. You know, they weren't, like, injecting it in the middle of the movie. It's like, eh, maybe this could be a thing later. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah nobody f- had to... I forgot to watch the scene after the credits. Oh. It sets up the Peacemaker show. Yeah. He's like still alive. I found found that out later. Yeah, he's just like sitting in a bit. I didn't. I didn't like it actually. My least favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> That's why it's like barely part of the movie. Barely. It's only technically part of the movie. And I think the last part of the team we have to talk about is uh, Margot Robbie coming back as Harley Quinn once again. This is what the third movie? I think it's just the third time right it's just the third just the two suicide squads and birds of prey she didn't cameo and anything else I don't think so I don't think she like is in any like cutaways or flashbacks in any like justice league bullshit or anything I think it's just the three okay okay well that's that's not so bad then uh, I will say up front this is my favorite of her turns as as harley quinn i think it does a really good job making the case for why she's part of the team she kicks a bunch of ass uh and she's chaotic um and i I really like the montage of her killing all those soldiers yeah it was fun to explore her take on like relationships so you could kind of see how this character is like good and bad in some ways like this is definitely an anti-hero Mm -hmm. Uh, because she fucking kills that guy he's a bad dude but still it's fucking brutal but yeah love that montage she she kills Uh, that guy because she knows she'll have to break up with him and then (laughs) if she breaks up with him it's just easier if she kills him than breaking up with him yeah exactly pretty fucked up yeah no always funny always bring in the energy I love it 
um, it's 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 good. It's it's good that this character now has more good movies that she's in than bad movies. Because that was a total bummer in that first movie where she's given a good performance in uh, just a fucking mess of a movie. It's a good thing. Yeah, she's better and better each each time she comes back. I wonder if that's it for the character for a while, though. I mean, she's a popular character, but what else could they do with her? Um, if they're uh, not always, they could always do that Gotham City Sirens project. That's true. Um, or a show, or a show, I guess. I hope we don't get too many superhero shows. I hope that's not the future of superhero media. It's just like hella shows. It might be. We'll see. There's not Catwoman hasn't been in any of this yet, right? There's not a Catwoman or a Poison Ivy cast yet, right? Not not in these movies, no. Okay. So they they could do that. It'll be weird, though, because, like, you know, they got, uh, what's-his-face? Uh, the, the, the Batman. Yeah. The Matt, Matt Reeves? Yeah, like, he's, there's Cat, Catwoman's in that movie, so it, it's weird to oh, think that. Oh, she is? That, okay. Yeah. She's, uh, Zoe Saldana? Uh, no, it's, um, Zoe, who is it? Zoe Kravitz, maybe? I don't remember who's in it. But, um, it would be weird to think that they'd have two different, uh, I guess unrelated franchises, but with the same characters, because Marvel doesn't do that, right? They don't have currently, right? They don't have like two different, like a show and a movie that both have the same characters but played by different people. I feel like it's more cohesive. No, they than do that. the other. They do the thing where they have the same actor in different parts. Yeah. Also, like how, uh, what is the relation of the Joker movie to all of this? Is there, any? there is none. Okay. It's just its, its own, own thing. thing. The the closest we ever got was Joaquin Phoenix at one point was like maybe my Joker like inspired the other Joker. Mm. But which Joker is he referring? Yeah, mm. we don't even know. Okay. And the Batman might be its own thing too, mm. but I'm pretty, it better be. That would still thing. be confusing. <laughs> don't touch. It. I mean, I guess I just I like I prefer Batman to stay more grounded, um, and I think that look that that's what it looks like they're doing with that new one. Man, I'm excited for that the Batman. See, that's how you do it. You just put the in front of it, <laughs> and then it's better. That's all I gotta do. Um, well, one thing that I think was definitely better in this one with a the uh, is the soundtrack. So. Um, as we've talked about before the first Suicide Squad movie was edited by a uh, trailer making company uh, and it is full of montages set to pop music uh, the problem is they don't tell you anything about the story and I would say even more importantly they're all extremely on the nose songs that are chosen um, so it doesn't feel original when when you're watching all these montages, it's just it's it's almost boring. And uh, with the Suicide Squad, we don't have a cohesive theme, at least not one that I picked up on uh, in in 
in the yeah, that music that James Gunn chose. It's pretty all over the place. Um, but it's it's all very uh, original. It's not. There's only one song that I think a lot of people would associate with other properties, and that's uh, the Folsom Prison Blues, which opens the movie, which. Uh, is a similar opening to the uh, the House of the Rising Sun opening the first movie had, uh, which which I think is maybe him making a, a reference to that and uh, being a little on the nose at the start. Uh, but then, uh, for all, although I guess John and I both remembered that Hey by the Pixies was also in Sackenberry makeup form. So maybe, maybe, maybe two songs. <laughs> maybe James Gunn just really likes Johnny Cash. Dawn of the Maybe. Dead, which I know he only wrote, opens with a Johnny Cash song. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all we get everything from like from that to the Decembrists and the Fratellis on the soundtrack. Oh yeah. So, what was yeah. your favorite needle drop moment? It's a good question. I don't know. Do you? I, have one? I, I think it's probably the the just a gigolo Harley Quinn shoot 'em up sequence. Yeah, that's really good kind of you know funny to have this kind of old timey kind of swing swinging number to this very violent set piece let's uh, go all the pretty flowers that was a nice addition too it's a nice little flourish <laughs> loved it I, I love that that scene is too is like way longer than i was expecting i was like wow <laughs> yeah i pushing it man like I respect that. That that looks hard to do. That looked like it was a hard scene to shoot. Uh, and and also, did you hear the um, the scene before that where she gets out of the? Uh, she's like uh, being hung from the wall. Like her hands are tied up to a rope that goes up to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, and she strangles a guard to death with her thighs, and then when he drops dead to the ground, she picks the keys out from his belt and does a flip and then unlocks the lock with her feet uh, and apparently that that stunt which is shot in a wide shot uh, was actually done by Margot Robbie wow that's amazing I like that you know and now I'm thinking do you think there's a letterbox list of people being murdered by thighs because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's happened a handful of times in movies so I um, can think of Goldeneye. What else you got? Uh, Mortal Kombat, the the nineties one where uh, oh, yeah, kills yeah. Kano. And she's like, take a break. <laughs> <laughs> there's three. There's got to be more. It's such a funny way to kill somebody. I mean, I might as well start that. You know, I have a letterbox list that only has two films on it because I can only think of two films that have the specific thing I'm looking for. I have I have a letterbox list of movies where they flush cocaine down a toilet, and I just have Goodfellas and Cop Car. <laughs> but still, it's out there. So if anyone's listening to this and you know of any movies where they flush cocaine down the toilet, let me know. Um, I gotta start that thigh yeah. crushing one too. Well, maybe you can look on IMDb's trivia section for that, but. Uh, I was on IMDb for my own reasons because I am doing the goofs now. Wait, we're not oh. going to talk about Starro? Well, it's t- that's related to the goofs. Okay, go, okay, go, ahead, go ahead. 
Um, so the goof uh, in this uh, in this admittedly pretty sparse uh, goof section on IMDb is that uh, it took thousands of high-powered bullets to penetrate Starro's eye. Uh, no, thousands of high-powered bullets fail to penetrate Starro's eye, but ordinary rats and a woman with a pointy stick do. And I wanted to include that as the goof this time around because 64 out of 238 people found this interesting and I'm putting myself in the camp of not interesting as well. Because fuck people who put shit like this on IMDb and waste everyone's time. I mean, okay, so you can say shooting his skin doesn't do anything. Well, they went for the eye. Maybe the other people weren't hitting the eye. And also it was with a fucking javelin maybe that javelin has a ghost in it we don't know that's yeah. established as something that happens in these movies it's a magical javelin also maybe it's you know it's uh, it was weakened by the fact that it just had its leg blown off by a bunch of flying polka dots and what the fuck are we talking about here this is a movie with magic polka dots that kill you exactly There's no logic you... here i think we can put john down also as not interesting you know i saw an, a, a very similar uh, nitpick like this in an article recently it's like based off of this uh, one plot hole this whole movie falls apart and it, it's actually pretty similar to this uh, goof that you brought up and it was that so you know they put these uh, chips or whatever they do in all the Suicide Squad members heads to the blow up if they try to quit the mission and they're like but it's established that when you shoot King Shark bullets bounce off him so how would they put one in his head it's like, I don't know, they fucking put one in his ear. Maybe they went through his mouth. Maybe he doesn't have one in him. He's so fucking stupid. Who gives a shit? Yeah, maybe they just fed it to him and he ate it. Yeah, he's not very smart. Like, I don't know. People, people yeah, always cool. like to think they're smarter than the movie. Fuck that. Well, and I get the impulse. I think internal logic is important. And when sure. you break internal logic, it does take you out of the movie. So, stuff like, I always bring it up. Superman throwing his emblem and it tying up uh, whichever <laughs> member of Zod's crew that is. Uh, that's, that, that shit's dumb. Um, but it's not dumb because how does he do it? It's dumb because why didn't he ever do this before or did they set this up in any way? Uh, and those are different reasons. Um, so let's talk about Starro, the giant kaiju starfish um, that as far as I can tell is entirely comic book accurate to how Starro is portrayed uh, in the comics. He he does have mind controlling, you know, face size starfish that that get implants on people's faces and take over. He is gigantic. He is from space. Uh, I think the only real James Gunn touch is the gruesome violence that comes when you try to remove the starfish. Mm. I think that's different. Mm. Um, but I think this was just a a, a perfectly delightful pick this movie to have as the villain uh, in that it still gives us the satisfaction of a giant CGI thing and even an army for them to fight at the end of the movie uh, without it being like a giant beam of light <laughs> yeah no I mean it, it's, it's a great design he has a scary power like that's the thing I was so afraid of that 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 mind control thing because you just immediately imagine it happened to, happening to you right um, yeah so that you, you get to see Peter Capaldi take us through that uh, <laughs> that whole uh, dungeon where they've been doing the experiments it's so creepy it's like out of a horror movie 
Because, like, I see that stupid CGI monster villain in the first Suicide Squad, and, like, I don't give a shit. I don't really know what his powers are or what he does, and he just kind of looks like a, a PlayStation cutscene character. But Starro, like, I get his design, I get his power, I get what it does to you, I get why I should be afraid of it, and you don't know how they're going to beat him. So I'm invested, even though, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a pretty good idea that they're gonna beat him, but I don't know how, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared of him. So. And, and also, they're provided the out of, hey, this isn't your mission anymore. You can just leave. If yeah. You want. And they like, might. There is a chance that they would just be like, "Well, we fucked it on this island. Let's leave." Hmm. You know, I was just thinking about. I heard some people criticize the end of this movie. Because they, um, I might have, I'm gonna have trouble explaining this, but you know, there's that information that uh, Peacemaker didn't want to get out on the drive about this whole operation, their plans for it, what they're you know gonna hide and everything. And at the end, they they choose to not reveal that stuff. And uh-huh. I heard people say that they think that's a failing, and that they should reveal it because like that's what the Suicide Squad would do. But I'm like, but there is a side of these guys that are like villains that are trying to cover their own ass too like they're they're anti-heroes so i think it's justified um but i don't know it's an interesting critique no it doesn't bother me at all because they they would be more self-interested than superheroes because they're not superheroes and you can also make the case they're they know that that's not getting out uh, and in exchange, them getting their freedom, that they could actually do more good for the world being free than sacrificing their lives and letting that information get out. Yeah. Okay. So I feel good about it. Didn't bother me at all. Did it bother you, Colin? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't even think about it, honestly. Everybody's hustling. You gotta, you gotta look out for number one sometimes. Yeah. You know, while we're on the topic of uh, end villain, do you feel like we got enough thinker? Is that his name? <laughs> that is his name. I would say no because we don't know why he has those things in his head and what his actual power. Well, if you remember, someone's like, "So those things in head, they make you smarter," and he goes, "Yes." Like, <laughs> kind of sarcastically, like he didn't want to answer it, but like, maybe that is the answer, though. Maybe he just puts weird shit in his head and it makes him smarter. Made him smarter. But I did find that to be actually one of the few underutilized characters. I don't. I don't really. I didn't really find him particularly funny or that interesting. I liked his design. I think the performance is fine, but I felt like they could have done a little more with that character. Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess it, maybe it doesn't matter as much because he doesn't really end up being like the the main villain. He's he's more just like a henchman in the end. But yeah, I didn't. Didn't know that much about him, really. Yeah. I think right up there with underdeveloped characters is uh, Alice Braga as the the leader of the Rebels. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I recognize her from another Will Smith movie. She's the lady at the end of I Am Legend. Um, but she's been in a few things. Um, and yeah. basically, there's... There's the the big scene where they they kill most of her army, and she's like, "I just hate the bad guys enough that I'm still willing to work with you guys." 
And then she's just kind of in the backseat for the rest of the film. And I, I think we could have used a little more of her, but also like it's it's not about her. And I think it just emphasizes that the Suicide Squad doesn't actually care about what happens on this island. So it's not a big deal to me. But yeah, that scene was funny when they went to the camp. Um, but yeah, they didn't really do much with Alice Braga. Also, oh, she's in, in the uh, New Mutants. New Mutants. I I feel like did I tell you guys my. I guess now lukewarm take on that movie. I forget. What was it? I kind of like it. I think it's kind of good. <laughs> but I'm so in the minority on that one. The thing, like, one of the things that people hate about it is one of the things I like about it is that it's so isolated and small. The movie has, like, six characters. Uh, but I kind of like it. You know, it's like, it's like a horror movie. It's kind of fun. Got some flashbacks with uh, Adam Beach, who's uh, Slipknot. Wow! I was gonna say all the like all the kids in that have gone on to be stars, right? I like the kids in it. Yeah, it's like uh, Arya Stark and uh, Queen's Gambit, and uh, and one of the Stranger Charlie Heaton boys, right? Yeah, and some guy from uh, Thirteen. However many reasons why I can't remember how many reasons it was. Thirteen reasons why. It's gotta like be it's thirteen. 13. That sounds right to me. Hen- Henry Zaga. Uh, but I thought it was fine. I kind of like wanted them to do another one, but I'm like, that's not fucking happening ever. Yeah. No. <laughs> this movie did terrible. Everyone hated it. And and Fox isn't behind the wheel anymore. So it's it's all fucked. Anyway, um, I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about. I did. I should have checked with you beforehand, John. Are we still doing the uh, Villains Wiki segment? Sure, we can do a Villains Wiki. Uh, this is John's Rogues Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Okay, guys, I'm on villains.fandom.com, a.k.a. Villains Wiki. We got Starro. Oh, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if this is going to be like, uh, is going to combine his background from the comics as well. It might, but it looks like this is mostly his stats um, based off of uh, what we saw in the movie. All right, so let's get into it. Full name, Starro. Alias, Starro the Conqueror. Project Starfish. Kaiju and old chum. <laughs> there, there must be a scene where Thinker Wait, says what? he's old chum. Maybe. Hello there, old chum. <laughs> I, I can imagine it. It's a good sea pun. Uh, origin: The Suicide Squad. I, I actually know that his origin is from one of the earliest, maybe even the first Justice League comic. So I don't know why they couldn't have done a little more research. Uh, occupation: Alien Conqueror. <laughs> good job damn it powers slash skills telepathic abilities mind control ability to produce endless numbers of offspring super strength super durability and tentacles i guess my favorite power tentacles that's like saying power arms (laughs) (laughs) i guess that was nathan villian's power yeah (laughs) yeah arm powers arm power uh, hobby drifting in space and admiring stars formerly goals kill the thinker for torturing it succeeded 
take Corto yeah, Maltese for itself. Kill the Suicide Squad. Both failed. Oh. Crimes. Mass murder. Mass possession. And mass property damage. I like how with these villains wikis, it's always the most severe thing first. And then always like, you know, oh, property damage. That's bad. <laughs> and here's the, uh, the fun part, but also the hard part of... Uh, John's Rogues Galleries, guys. The type of villain. Can you f- tell me what type of villain Starro is? I'm going to give you a clue this time and tell you that it is two words. Well, so blank, blank. You already said his occupation is Alien Conqueror, and that mm-hmm. is exactly what I was going to go with. So <laughs> I feel like they're fucking me on this one. That's, that's what he is. Hive mind. Well, it's limited to two words. Okay, just hive mind. He's just hive mind. Okay. Uh, Calm. Dis- destructive monster. Destructive monster. Um. Well, I'm sorry, guys. He's a tragic alien, and I think that's <laughs> that's bullshit. Because the the one thing at the end where he's like, "I was happy when I, I was happy." Space. I guess. Yeah, I think Alien Conqueror, his, he, he is an Alien Conqueror. Yeah. Why can't that be the type of villain? There's lots of Alien Conquerors. No, he's a fucking tragic alien. Can you really be a tragic... I don't know. I, if you have bad intentions, can you be tragic in that way? Like, I hear tragic alien, I think, like, Klaatu from Day the Earth Sit Still or something. Yeah. I don't think of this guy who uh, tried to kill everybody. It's like, oh, poor him. I guess maybe they must believe that if we hadn't been torturing him for 30 years, he would have been good. It is pretty dark. God, that whole character is so fucking dark, dude. Yeah. Jesus. Will it be as dark as Colin's pick for the next episode? That's the question. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Probably not, though. But maybe. Uh, so my pick, I don't know. It's just one that I've always kind of wanted to see. I don't know if either of you have seen it. it. Seems like a good time of year to watch it, since I think it, all the characters in it are on vacation, or at least in uh, like beautiful scenery uh, I don't know uh, I'm picking the talented Mr. Ripley oh okay I guess I'm also kind of kind of interested because I watched uh, the English patient uh, for our Oscar month another Anthony Minghella movie and this was like his follow up to that I guess this is also kind of like Matt Damon's movie after breaking out in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, and you're trying to tie in, you're trying to uh, coast off the uh, the, the heat uh, from him doing the Hot Ones interview. Uh, this week. Yeah, exactly. Last week. Yeah, we're trying to ride that. Did they talk that about Talented of... Mr. Ripley? I don't remember it coming up, I'm sorry to say. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Um, it's I'm excited. Yeah. It's weird that it has Kate Blanchett in a supporting role. <laughs> I don't feel like you get a lot of those. 
<laughs> see how far down this cast list you can go before you find someone who wasn't in a Marvel movie. Well. So Matt Damon was in Thor Ragnarok. Gwyneth Paltrow was in Iron Man's. June Law was in uh, Captain Marvel. Kate Blanchett was in Thor Ragnarok. Philip Seymour Hoffman would be the first one. I mean, they would have got him. He, yeah, he kind of missed the Marvel era. Oh, man, they got to get Philip Baker Hall in a, <laughs> <laughs> in a Marvel movie. Yeah. God, he's so old. That'll be good, though. 89. Good for him. I always associate Talented Mr. Ripley with, like, those batch of, like, late 90s movies that were, like, sexy with, like, hot stars I, I think it's because of that one joke and it's one of my favorite jokes from the movie Orange County um, where uh, you remember Mike White is playing a teacher and they're, they're talking about Shakespeare I'm looking at the line right now um, I'm just going to do this whole line this is so good uh, he says now, you know, when I say Romeo and Juliet who comes to mind Claire Danes that's right Claire Danes who else Leonardo DiCaprio right who else well, you know someone else who's involved in that movie who in some ways is as famous as Leonardo DiCaprio. His name is William Shakespeare. And some great movies have been made based on his plays. Hamlet, West Side Story, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Waterworld, <laughs> Gladiator. <laughs> so, yeah. I think because that joke I associate with like all those. <laughs> it's a Shakespeare. It's a classic Shakespeare story. Yep. Poison your mind. All right. Well, I look forward to watching that, and you should look forward to listening to our conversation in a week because we're back for uh, undetermined amount of time, but at least two weeks. <laughs> as long as we um, feel like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, subscribe to us by looking for Mildly Please on iTunes or whatever you use. Uh, Go to mildlyplease.com to read our blog posts. We just two weeks ago finished doing Criterion Month. You can literally read 31 movie reviews from the past month. That includes Space Jam and Legacy, which Colin pre-inducted into the Criterion Collection <laughs> uh, during its theatrical. I mean, I don't know if that's that was my intent. It's, it, it was just a, a part of Criterion Month. But yes, um, it, it, it would be a provocative uh, pick for the Criterion Collection, because it is not good. Yes. Well, and also it, uh, it very openly is a Warner Brothers movie, so you'd think Warner Brothers would at least have the pride to be the ones to put that on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's everything that we have going on. So if you made it this far, thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Nobody cares for me There's nobody cares for me I'm so sad and lonely Sad and lonely, sad and lonely Want some sweet mama Come take a chance with me